find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, I have got a guest all the way from Lithuania, but but we've worked out all of our microphone issues, and she's going to sound like she's <laughs> right next door. Sarah, it's great to have you with me. It's a delight to be here, Nikki. Thank you so much for letting me join you for a little while here today. Awesome. And like I said, you, you do. You sound like you're right next door. That's awesome. And I've, I've got to tell the listeners, you go by the dignified hedonist. you got to tell me, how did you come up with that? I love it. So I'm in the business of creating dignified hedonists is kind of the way that I see that. Because okay. I think hedonism, you know, the pursuit of pleasure as a as a goal, as a good, it gets a kind of a bad rep in society. Exactly. You know, people hear hedonist and they think, oh, you know, that's, that's base, that's someone that's not serious, that's not a good thing. And I, you know, I totally disagree. I think pleasure is one of the most important forces in life and one of the most important clues to a life well lived. And I think what kind of takes it there for me is this addition of dignity. So dignity comes from the Latin word dignitas, which means worthy or worthiness. And I think when you make sure that your hedonism recognizes both your worthiness as well as the worthiness of anyone else that may be involved with you in one way or another, that's the secret sauce, right? Pleasure without dignity isn't, isn't always the best, but when you've got the both, that's magic. That's where you find confidence. That's where you find autonomy. That's where you find calm and the ability to relax. So that's a little bit of the history behind where that term comes from. Ooh, I like, I'm glad I asked that. I like <laughs> that. Well, you know, I, when I was studying with Dr. Ava, she she had a couple of memes that she used and and a couple of quotes and and i don't remember exactly but it was you know like finding someone that was worthy of you you know it's it's not it's not just getting involved with somebody but it was finding a person that was worthy of your love your passion and your vulnerability i like that okay cool so Huh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to think about that. Okay, not right now because we got other things to talk about, but I'm going to have to think about that. Beautiful. But I, I do agree with you that, that hedonist and hedonism and all that does get a really bad rap. But um, interesting. Okay, cool. Well, let me, let me tell you all a little bit more now that, now that she shared this interesting insight that I really like. <laughs> I, I like when we don't plan things and it, it goes a really good way. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. So Sarah is a dating coach that helps high-desire people create the relationships of their dreams from connected and caring one-night stands through lifelong marriages. Sarah is the creator of the Dignified Hedonist Framework, a proven system for supercharging their dating and relationship success. She's worked with hundreds of clients all over the world through workshops, courses, and results-focused one-on-one counseling. 
She's the author of hundreds of articles, as well as the only book, this is fascinating, on <laughs> orgasmic running. I got to ask. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I saw, that, I saw that last night and went, hold on. <laughs> what, what is orgasmic running? So orgasmic running is, I'm such a hedonist, right? It's, I really <laughs> wanted to get into running back in the day. And I had such resistance to it. Like I would go for a run and I'd be like, oh, it must have been 20 minutes, you know, like panting, sweating, you yeah. know, look at my watch. It's only been five minutes. So at one point, somebody in London, when I was living in the UK, mentioned to me, they're like, well, you could go running with Kegel balls in. And oh. that little phrase changed my life. <laughs> so um, orgasmic <laughs> running, uh, the, the book that I wrote is basically a primer on, uh, it it's only works for people with uh, vulvas and vaginas, but yeah, right. I, I didn't discover yet how to do it for somebody with a penis. So my apologies there. I couldn't do the experimentation because I myself don't have one. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just, it's, it walks you through how you can, uh, using Kegel balls and using mindfulness and presence in your body, uh, have an orgasm in motion and it's it's wild the first time you do it and that what's kind of great about orgasming if you're out for a run is that if anybody sees you like <sighs> panting and like getting <laughs> flushed in your cheeks they just think wow you know she's working out really hard well done you know no one has to know um <laughs> so that's what orgasmic running is yeah i was looking at that going you know, I, I'm not a fan of running, but, hmm. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a friend that owns a gym out in uh, Northern California. I, I've got a, I have to send him a, a, something about your book. He, he love that. That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I, I mean, I can I can send you a copy. Feel free to you know I can send one for you and one for him, and then if if you've yeah. got any follow up questions, just let me know, and happy to uh, share with you the the link so that you can share it with your listeners too. Yeah, you you should you'll have to do that. And like I said, I I didn't think about that last night, but I've I've got to tell him about that. I can see him <laughs> having a field day with that. But um, and he has a lot of female clients i'm sure he'll share that with also okay let me see sarah <laughs> is also the co-host of the get sex smart podcast the host of sexual craftsmanship podcast and you're hosting a brand new show launching in july of 2021 she's been the featured guest expert on interviews for radio podcast summits and media such as bbc world news Men's Health, The Guardian, The Irish Times. You've been all over the place. I, I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me see. She has a master's in sociology with a research focus on men and masculinity. She's a certified sex coach, a graduate of Sex Coach U, the program created by pioneer sexologist Dr. Patty Britton, who we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, she serves as the current executive director of the World Association of Sex Coaches, and she's a member of the World Association of Sexual Health. And you are currently 
you have a private practice in Lithuania where she serves clients online worldwide. Isn't it awesome that we can we can help people worldwide and do it interviews is. worldwide? <laughs> I know. The magic of technology, it's such a blessing. I love that we can do this, uh, having our conversation here today or working with clients. You know, where It means that the people who are the very best fit for us, regardless of where they are in the world, can still work with us. I think that's fantastic. Well, you know, that's like I tell people when, when they approach me about, about being a coach for them is that I want to do an introductory session with them and see if we're a fit. I said, you know, mm-hmm. I, I may not be the coach you need, and if not, I know enough other coaches that I can likely find the one that's right for you, but I, you know, we need to do a session to see if you and I are the right fit for each other, you know. Yep. So, and speaking of books, you have got another one that for a month is free that we're going to talk about today. It's called The Hedonist Guide to Flirting Ar- Archetypes. You want to yep. tell us a little bit about that? I yes. actually have a copy of that one. Ha <laughs> ha. So this is a wonderful resource that I compiled actually after having, would you believe it, three clients at the same time who all had challenges around flirting. And I work with high desire, high libido people. And a lot of like, my clients span quite a gamut, though I would say over the course of my career, probably about 75% of the people I've ever worked with have been men in STEM fields. I think because I myself am a massive nerd, so I have that beacon that says, you know, come come to me, you will be safe here. And, and this seems to be a challenge that crops up for a lot of science guys, for a lot of engineers or programmers who have really strong intellect and not as strong a connection with their body or with play, which are both really important elements of flirting. So this book is a labor of love in terms of how to... You know, how to get into flirting in a way that feels fun and natural, even if when you try to flirt right now, you feel so totally awkward. So it's a collection of my best resources and also taking a look at six different archetypes that you can embody and play with as kind of a framework for getting started. Because I think a lot of people, right, kind of go, I know this is a thing that it sounds fun and I should be doing. I have no idea where to start. So sometimes right. having an archetype in mind gives you that place to start. Now, as, a, as an author, I'm very familiar with archetypes because I, it, it just, it's, it's a thing that, that I've learned as an author to, to kind of develop my characters. But mm-hmm. some of the listeners may not know what an archetype is. What, what is an archetype? So to put it in my words, I don't know if this is the official dictionary definition or not, an archetype is uh, a figure in the zeitgeist, which kind of gives you a sense of the role that person plays. So one archetype could be something like the warrior, and that gives you a sense of, okay, these are the kind of things that 
a warrior would embody or would think about or would consider or the actions they would do. Another archetype could be the lover. An archetype could be the mother because we have so many rich associations with people within these roles that in that single word, like mother is a really powerful one. There's this whole bundle of associations and ideas about what it means to be a mother. So for example, like when it comes to flirting archetypes, one of them is the detective. And so when you think about a detective, like what comes to your mind, you might think of Sherlock, you might think of Bones, you might think of some of these TV shows where it's people who are investigating things and they're looking for clues and they're really perceptive about the world around them. And that's exactly the energy that you can bring and play with in detective style flirting. You see? So it's a way to have kind of a a cheat code, kind of a hack and a shortcut so that instead of trying to, you know, invent things from scratch, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I have an idea of what a detective is, and now I can play with it. Right. Kind of, kind of a role that you're playing, kind of a character that you're taking on, kind of, well, and, and like the, the archetypes that she's, she's using in the, there is the detective, a joker, a conspirator, this kind of thing. So, and, and then she explains the, the traits of that kind of a person. So I, I just thought, let's, let's kind of explain in case that's a word that people aren't familiar with. Yeah, no, thank you so much for asking about that. Like I said, it's, I, when I first approached that in writing, I'm like, a what? <laughs> so, and like I said, it's, temporarily it's free, but starting the 1st of August, she's going to start charging $27 for it. So I just want to make sure that people knew that. Yes, so. and I can give you the link to to share with listeners or should I read it out now? What's the best way to make sure people can get their hands on this before it uh, goes from free to not free? Well, we want them to focus right now. So let's, let's kind of talk about flirting first. We'll, we'll give it to them before the show's over. Gotcha. Thank you. And and it will be on the show page. So okay. Then no worries. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, all the important stuff is always on the show page. So beautiful. Oh yeah, they they know I give them lots of stuff on the show page. <laughs> so what what is flirting? I, I think so, you know, there may be confusion about what flirting is. I, I watch people and it's like, dude, that's just awkward. What is flirting? So my definition of what flirting is is that flirting is simply adult play. It's being playful as an adult person. And I think so many of us forget how to play as we grow up, which is part of what makes it so challenging for a lot of folks. Very true. Well, it should be fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Not painful. It should not. Are we, are we ever too old to flirt? Absolutely not. Oh my goodness. Like, you can flirt at any age and you can flirt with anyone because remember when you're flirting, you can control the intent, right? So you can have a sexual intent infused in your flirting, but you can also just have a lighthearted and infectionate intent. So you can flirt with, with anybody you can flirt with, you know, you can flirt with your, you know, grandma or your aunt as much as you can flirt with, you know, 
this handsome person over here that you're interested in going on a date with. I like, I like what you just said about controlling your intent. And that's important. Um, yeah. We actually could do an entire show about that. And you actually should control your intent. I know people that don't and are incredibly disrespectful, but that's another show. We'll, we'll, we might do something about that at some point, actually. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm going to keep it fun right now. Um, what are three elements of flirting? So in addition to intent, which is a really important piece of the the flirting puzzle, the two other things that make up flirting are creative presence. So what do I mean by that? Like flirting happens here now, not in up in your mind where you're overthinking everything. (laughs) And this is something I see so frequently with with some of my clients and with some of the people who come to my workshops is that they're, they're up in their minds running scenarios. And what that means is they're not present here and now with the person that they're with. So creative presence is part of this. You've got to be here now. And the other piece, the other delightful part of flirting is that you're creating a shared experience, right? Ideally the best flirting creates a little world that just has you and the person that you're flirting with in it. So it's, it's making that space and, and sharing that experience that's kind of private, even if you're out in a public space, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So that brings up an interesting idea. Okay. So what about people that are out with their buddies and they're trying to flirt with some really hot girl at a bar mm-hmm. and they are doing it in a way to include their buddies in the flirting? You know what kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about? I can imagine, yeah. And it's it's kind of uncomfortable to be on the receiving end of that at times, yeah. depending on the energy, actually, right. and depending on how well you're reading the situation in the room. Because there are those people who are very comfortable in initiating play. Because again, if we think about this as adult play, then you do have some people who are great at getting a group together and getting some jokes going and getting that energy in, in the group. And that can be done. Again, intent is so important because if the intent is lighthearted and affectionate and we're just, we're all here having fun, it's right. very different than trying to create a group set up where there's flirting that's charged with sexual intent that can get feeling really uncomfortable really fast. And I'd argue that if the person you're flirting with is becoming uncomfortable, then you're not actually flirting anymore. Cause right. <clears throat> well, play is consensual. Right. Well, and, and that's where it would be really important to watch the reactions of the person that you are flirting with. Mm-hmm. And and watch if if they are becoming uncomfortable, back off. I would think. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's 
like this metaphor of play is so helpful because, you know, is it fun to play when the other person that you're playing with, like, keeps looking away, keeps trying to find a good moment to leave, keeps pulling back away. Like mm-hmm. when you have the sense the other person doesn't want to be there, you know what? Like it's okay to feel a little bit disappointed. It's okay to go, ah, they don't want to play with me. But then you know what? Move on. Go find somebody else because right. what makes flirting fun is when you both start contributing to building this little world that contains just the two of you. So it's it's not great when it's one-sided, I would say. Right, right. Well, it's it's not flirting at that point. It's, it's harassing and bullying. Exactly. So, so it's, it's a pretty clear dividing line there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's um, being able to recognize that it's not flirting anymore. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Where... Where do you feel? I think I think there's a lot of potential answers to this question, but where do you think that most people go wrong when it comes to flirting? I, so, I like your comment about overthinking things, but that's I think the top place that people go wrong is way overthinking, right? And I've I've seen this many times where folks they read a lot of articles and they go, oh, you know, and it, it can get almost formulaic that. If I do things in this way, then I'll be flirting the right way. And when you do that, you place so much pressure on yourself. And in some ways, you place pressure on your flirting partner as well that nobody asked for. And it doesn't, you know, pressure is the death of fun, right? And so that is a biggie. The The other biggie that I would... I would say kind of connects to it as well is being really attached to an outcome. So if you go into a flirting interaction or like, let's say you go to a bar and you want to flirt with some people, but you've got it in your head. If you say like, you know, I have to hook up with someone tonight for it to be a success, then already you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot from the moment you walk in there because it's also placing pressure on you and placing pressure on your flirting partners. So, and I, I am all for folks having lots of lovely, pleasurable, fantastic sex. So it's not demonizing that. It's rather that if you go into it thinking that if you do this precisely right, then you're guaranteeing yourself a certain outcome. And without that outcome, your experience is a failure. You're never going to flirt well, because you're not going to be able to have fun. Like, that's the long and short of it there. Um, I'd say the one other thing where I see people go wrong is is where they're looking to flirt in a way that's, I don't know, a little bit dodgy. Sounds maybe to me when I listen to some of these remarks from people a little bit manipulative, but that's like sort of where it's, you're getting overly attached to an outcome and you're crossing the line and maybe not even necessarily flirting anymore. So yeah, I guess the third mistake is not actually flirting, but doing something else. Okay. All right. Now what, what about people that their friends or family or whatever have just said, you know what, just give it up. You, you just, you've tried 
and you just can't do it. You just have not got the skills. Your lost calls, just forget it. You just can't do it. I say, I say that's bull. Like, <laughs> I, you know, and if if you've got people in your life giving you that kind of message, it's going to make it hard to embrace the playful elements of flirting. It's also going to make it hard to put yourself out there if you're getting messages from family and friends that, you know, you're a lost cause. So, you know, getting some space from people who are saying things like that to you would be, you know, my first piece of advice. And then the second piece of advice is like, well, if you're listening to this episode and you've never thought about flirting as play before, and even if you think you're a lost cause or you're too awkward, if you're getting any spark of interest at all about the idea of flirting being play, then there is so much hope for you. <laughs> like, and there is, it's so likely that once you, once you grasp this concept, once you understand this framework, you're suddenly going to be able to start having lots of fun anytime and with a whole variety of people. Because remember, flirting doesn't have to be, you know, sexual or romantic. Flirting can also just be for fun. Well, I think so many people put pressure on themselves with flirting yeah. and, and make it yeah. work. You know, if if you just make it, it is it's just so much fun, you know, and and it doesn't it doesn't have to lead anything to anything, and it, so many times it doesn't, you know. That's like people getting jealous when you flirt with somebody. It's like it doesn't mean anything most of the time, you know. Sometimes you just you see somebody, and especially like somebody that may be a longtime friend. And you're just goofing around, you know? So, I don't know. I, I think flirting is, is just very misunderstood by a lot of people. But here again, the intent and how it how it's done can can lead to a lot of that, so Yeah. Well that and the getting overly attached to a set outcome. Like turning yeah. flirting into work, actually, is the way that you said that just now, Nikki, is actually exactly, it's another way to phrase the way things go wrong. Because yeah. if flirting's no longer play, then guess what? You're no longer flirting. And turning it into work, that doesn't sound like fun. You know, if yeah. I've just been at work all day and then I'm going out flirting, I don't want to work there too. You know, I want to have fun and, and, get into this creative shared experience with somebody. What about people that appear, and this may not be their motivation, but they appear to be overcompensating or attempting to flirt solely to gain attention? Well, I don't necessarily think, you know, I think a lot of, it's a very human motivation, attention, or validation, right? Okay. I think where we get into trouble is if that becomes the primary motivation for engagement with not just flirting, but all kinds of relationships or dating or sex, that ultimately, if you're trying to validate something about yourself in this way, like, 
any sense of validation you receive is only temporary if you're trying to get it from outside. Like I, I find that like, that's part of the bigger work that I do with people is, you know, how do you give that validation to yourself so that you're no longer putting pressure on partners to validate you? Like that's, Mm-hmm. a bigger journey but that also you know that dynamic in a smaller way is that work and flirting too because you know that's where that attachment to outcome or not having an attachment to outcome comes into play because if you you know if your outcome is I want lots of attention right like I want to be validated as like attractive or funny or interesting by flirting with people And then if you don't get that and then you feel like, oh, like I'm a failure, I'm terrible, like you're again setting yourself up to be under a lot of pressure. You're turning flirting into work. And, you know, at the same time, if you're able to say, hey, I'm just going to go and have as much fun as I can. I'm going to try and engage some people in play. And and if they don't want to, you know what, I'll be okay. And if they do, you know what, it's wonderful to be the center of attention, isn't it? (laughs) All right. Now, what do we want to say, and I think this is important, what do we want to say to people who are in long-term relationships or and or married that have a feeling that they don't need to flirt anymore? So my inside scoop, right, from from my professional vantage point is that you'd be surprised how many clients I've worked with who've come to me because their partner said to them, I want you to flirt with me. Like, go get some help. Go find someone to help you figure this out. I want this in my relationship. It's not a one-off, Nikki. Like, this happens pretty regularly. And actually, these are such wonderful clients to work with, by and large. And it's, it's beautiful to get to watch people rediscovering some of that playful energy that kind of emerges almost effortlessly when you've got new relationship energy flowing and you're in limerence and you're getting that big chemical assist in the early stages of a relationship. You know, one of those elements that people miss when they look back nostalgically on that time is the sense of play that's there early on. And so if you've been in a longer term relationship, you know, three years, five years, 10, 20, and you wonder where that's gone, like flirting can be reintroduced at any time. And it might be something that would be really exciting for your partner. Like I find for some people, for women in particular, there's something really energizing about good flirting. And I mean, don't get me wrong, men love it too, but there's, there's something about that delicious tension while still being inside this safe container because flirting is, is play at the end of the day, right? Yes. So I, I would really encourage you, like it's actually something to have a conversation with your partner about if you're listening to this and going, huh, I wonder, you know, I wonder <laughs> if this applies. Like have a chat with, your husband or your wife or your partner and just say, you know, would you be open to me flirting with you a bit more? And that can feel a bit awkward and contrived, but you know what? Like direct communication saves so much time and prevents so many problems. Like it is the way to go. If they give you the nod, then you can get 
creative and spontaneous with the flirting itself, okay? Or, or flirt with them and see what they do. You can also flirt with them and see what they do. Absolutely. <laughs> so, just, you know, just a thought. What can be fun about having the conversation, though, right, especially for people who've been in longer relationships, is you can get some insight about what's really exciting for your partner and what kind of things they really, like, like it, they might have been dreaming about this, right? They might have been, like, wishing for this. And if they're of the mind that they want to share some of that with you, like that can be such a gold mine and such a wonderful place to start and then build on and then get more creative. So Ooh. both ways can work. And thank you for pointing that out, Nikki. But I also want to put the flag in the ground and say, you'll be surprised what can come out of these conversations sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so you don't want to start the conversation as you're running out the door. No, 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 no. Like uh, this is one of those things where a framework I teach people, like just a quick one is, you know, saying to your partner, hey, would you have 10 minutes to talk about something related to our relationship or our sex life or whatever? And then if they say, yes, you set a timer for 10 minutes, you try and keep that conversation boundaried. And if they say, no, not right now, you say, thank you. You know, when would be a better time for this? And you schedule it in. Like, I, I love doing that for as a way to have these conversations instead of just thinking about having these conversations for months but never having them. All right. Now, I've mentioned a couple times watching for reactions from an, the other person, and I actually mentioned that a lot on the show, is being aware of your partner and watching what they do and that kind of thing. Now, what part does body language play in flirting? So, body language is such a rich and powerful and wonderful element that you can add to play. And actually, when you spend time observing body language, there's some really basic principles about flirtatious body language and the energy of flirtation. It's, it's like an exercise that I've encouraged some of my clients to do is to just go to a stock photo website. So something like unsplash.com type in flirting and then take a look at some of the pictures because I've actually defined like different uh, dimensions of body language and the different kinds of messages you can send. So uh, one of those, just to keep it brief, is uh, direct versus indirect. So direct body language would be making eye contact with you. It would be my body is facing towards you. Maybe I've got my hands in front of me and they're pointed into a little triangle pointing at you while I'm listening to you speak. So all of that direct orientation is sending the message, I'm interested. So that, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm interested in sex. It just means I'm interested in you or what you're saying, but it's generally an indication of interest. And the way flirting works with body language, so taking that specific dimension, right, direct versus indirect, 
is if you send two contradictory messages along that same line, then you're flirting. So what does that mean in that case? If I'm starting to walk away, but then I look back at you over my shoulder, so I'm being both indirect and direct at the same time, that's flirtatious. And similarly to what you were saying, Nikki, about observing for reactions from the person that you're flirting with, starting to understand some of these real basics of body language is so helpful for that. Because taking again this example of direct versus indirect, so if you're flirting with somebody and they're making eye contact with you and their body is pointed at you and they've you know, even got their hands pointed towards you in the conversation, that's a pretty good indication that they're interested in what you're doing here. Whereas if you see them sort of turning away from you or maybe they've turned their feet away from you or they're not looking at you anymore, that indirectness sends the message of, I'm not interested. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's just one of the dimensions of, of body language that, like, there are four that I talk about as the basic ones, and you can use any of them to, to flirt, basically. Well, that's like if, if you're moving toward a person and they keep backing away from you, this yep. is not usually a positive sign, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> now, yeah. if 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 you if they're moving closer to you, that's a good sign. You know, it, it's there are some that are very simple, and there are some that are more subtle. Um, do you want to share one or two, or or more of those four? Well, that one that you just mentioned—that's in versus out. So, if you're leaning in towards somebody, or somebody's leaning in towards you, versus backing away from or leaning back from. That's another really common dimension of body language. And in-out also signifies interest. Um, to give an example of the other one, there's open versus closed body language. So open body language is arms open or arms to the side, whereas closed body language is often arms crossed over the torso or really commonly uh, like hands covering the neck. And that says, I don't fully trust my environment yet. I don't fully feel safe yet. Whereas open body language says, I feel safe. So the two main messages you get from body language relate to like, I feel safe uh, or I don't quite feel safe yet and I'm interested or I'm not interested. And again, flirting with body language, like a really common gesture is where one side of the neck is covered with a hand, but then the head is tilted to the side, really exposing the other side of the neck. And that's sending that contradictory message on the same dimension. You know that, can you see in your mind's eye that gesture I just described? The, yeah. yeah. And I've done that. <clears throat> exactly, yeah. I'm doing it right now. And it's like, I already <laughs> feel a bit more flirtatious in my body, like even just sitting here talking with you. And, and again, so just a taster, right? But body language is powerful and, and you don't have to be an expert, right? Like I think that's, I want to give permission that it's okay to learn just a little bit and then start getting practice. You do not have to be perfect before you can start incorporating some of these elements and being more in your body when you flirt. Well, you know, and there's, there's some of them that I, as you're, you're sitting here, just 
mentioning this, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I do that and don't even think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Because some of it is unconscious. And I know for some people who, again, who spend a lot of time in their heads and don't have as strong a connection with their body, it might not feel intuitive in the same way. So that's where pointing out examples of it can be really helpful. So, you know, it's uh, accessible to everyone. Interesting. I, body language is fascinating. But mm-hmm. I, and I've got quite a few articles on my website. Actually, if, if people go to um, my Love Coach Journey or the Ready for Love radio site and just put body language in the search box, there's quite a few articles on there about body language. Um, and it just, like I said, I just find it fascinating. So, okay, what, what kind of, um, what if somebody's a complete beginner? And they they don't know anything about flirting at all. What kind of tips would you give them to get just to get started? So for the complete beginners, I would recommend grabbing my book and flipping open to the detective archetype because the detective archetype is so useful when you're just getting started, and it's great because. There are some detective games you can prepare in advance. So for those people who want to feel like, okay, I've prepared a little bit for this, you know, that I want to get to the point where I can feel much more spontaneous and in the moment, but like also give me something to start with. Detective is perfect for that. And detective is also where you can apply some of this body language knowledge. So, you know, People love talking about other people, right? Like one really easy way to get into the detective energy and do a bit of flirting is to like come over to somebody and you say, so you see that couple over there. You notice how his feet are pointing away from her. Like he doesn't want to be in that conversation anymore. Like, and then you start using, you know, that observational, and that little bit of knowledge you have about body language. And then you can also, you know, if the person that you start flirting with is totally into this and they're vibing with you, like part of where you could ratchet up the intent a little bit would be to then, you know, use your detective skills analyzing their body language. Or you could say, ah, I can see that you're, you know, you're pointing your body away from me a little bit, but then you're also looking directly into my eyes. Like, that gives me some that gives me some feelings you know it's it's one of those ways that i think is the easiest to get started with honestly because because you have training wheels with the detective if that makes sense right right okay Andrew, well that is is that why he's the first one in the book uh yes I start with the detective there. And also it's, it's one of the, the longest sections of the book because I give you a couple of classic detective games that you can learn and then play when, when you're out in the wild. Oh, in the wild, yes. In the wild, indeed. <laughs> That's cute. I like that. All right. So if a person is a fairly good flirt, okay, how can they improve their flirting? Because no matter how good somebody thinks they are, you can always improve on things. So, I mean, 
what I encourage my clients to do once they get started is to then like make an effort to deliberately try each of these six archetypes. Because there are some where, okay, this might be a little bit more intimidating, or how would I even play with this? And the encouragement to go and try everything a little bit is part of that is freeing yourself from a performance focus when it comes to flirting. It's freeing yourself of the attachment to outcome because that's how you become great at flirting. So it's, it's not buried in any one archetype. It mainly has to do with your own internal sense of comfort and connection to your body and your own sense of relaxation and play and the energy that you bring to the encounter. Like that is what makes for an amazing flirt. And part of how you build that confidence is by going out there and flirting. Like the, the top tip for everybody listening to this podcast is flirt often, flirt with everyone, make a habit of not only flirting with people that you have romantic or sexual interest in, but also flirting with just the people that you meet in your day to day life. Because again, remember, that's how you can practice controlling that intent. And yeah. also, like just getting the reps in is part of how you come to like really just be able to relax and enjoy. And then it's a virtuous cycle because the more you do that, the better it feels, the more fun you have, et cetera, et cetera. That's it. <laughs> it's, um, that's what, well, yeah. It, it, well, it, it's just, it's more fun that way, you know? Yes. And, and it's so much less pressure. You know, if it's not somebody that you're like, oh, I'd love to go out with that person or whatever. There's no pressure, you know, and you can just kind of see see what kind of response you get. I mean, you know, you, if it's somebody that you just that you're just saying hi to or whatever, and and that kind of thing, obviously you don't want to flirt hard with them, you know, because you don't want them to get the wrong idea or anything. Right. <laughs> you know? but. It, yeah, it just it's just fun, you know? I don't know. It's it's but, remembering how to play. Like at, at that's at the core of this cuz we you know, we go into life, we emerge out of childhood, we're told play is a childish thing, you know, life is all very serious as an adult and there's all these things we quote unquote should do and have to do and you know, the the pushing down and minimizing and degrading of play is, is something that, you know, it doesn't just cause problems with flirting. I think it creates a lot of problems for, like, having awesome, pleasurable sex, too. Because, you know, if sex is a, a grown-up and very serious thing with shoulds and have-tos attached to it, like, again, there's that pressure. And then where's the space for fun and creativity and delight? I mean, it's the same thing, just in a different context. And play and giving yourself permission to play, like, these are at the heart of my message here. Like, and it's, it's okay if it takes time for you to, like, rebuild that skill and reconnect in with with play, you know, Nikki, one thing I suggest my clients do and one thing that, you know, dear listeners, you can try yourselves is 
go on YouTube and look for videos of puppies playing with each other. Yeah. Because there's something about, and, and this has helped some people connect in with that energy of play that somehow watching, you know, cute baby puppies playing is a reminder or it sparks something in the mind where you go, okay, I can see it. And it's also, it's a very natural thing, right? Play is also how you test boundaries. It's how you communicate with it. it play is communication, but I, mean, I could go on and on and on about the importance of play, but I think I'll stop there for now because it's such a soapbox, Nikki. I, I tell you what. Well, you know, life gets so much more serious as, as you're an adult. And I mean, there's been so many, I mean, the last year and a half has been hmm. so serious in so many ways, you know? Yeah. There, there hasn't been enough just fun in the last year and a half for yeah. most people, you know? And we all need more play right now. We just do, you know? More fun, more play, more whatever. And, I mean... I, I haven't gone out in public that much in the last year and a half for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. you know, but you go out and, well, I mean, number one, you can't see people's faces, which is irritating, but even mm-hmm. when you can, you know, it, it, I don't know, we we need more play in a whole lot of ways, you know? Well, and navigating through the reality of the last year and a half is... It's it's been tough, right? And yeah. and in so many ways. And part of it is the, you know, having a lot of that joy sapped out of interactions Everything. with folks because suddenly yeah. some risk was introduced that wasn't there before. I would say one nice thing about people wearing masks is that you start paying so much more attention to people's eyes. And folks, yeah. there is so much you can do to flirt with your eyes. Oh, and yeah. There's so many ways you can play with eye contact. And in a world where, you know, if you're somewhere where mask use is, is high and consistent, like you can actually start having a lot of fun with people when you're having interactions by playing with your eyes a bit. <laughs> you can. This and is true. It gets, it gets people to smile. I tell you what, I was at the doctor's office today I had an appointment today and like everybody wears masks there and like I was making quite a few expressions with my eyes just to the people at reception and to the nurses and like people smile back like there's a response to it like that playfulness and that light that you can bring in and then you know of course my intent there was just affectionate and fun you can also smolder with your eyes. Like you can signal a lot of like sexual or romantic intent with your eyes too, right? Yes, you can. Well, everybody needs a reason to smile right now. So yes, yeah, go for it. But well, that's just like I mean, it was it was it was really weird when um I had I had appointments at um University of Virginia medical center a while back mm-hmm. and I went in and and I had a, a gap in between I always schedule a whole bunch of appointments on the same day and there's this huge big open area when you first walk in and my my um, specialists are all 
upstairs. And so I was sitting downstairs, and normally it's just crammed with people. And obviously mm-hmm. it hadn't been as as crammed lately. And I was sitting downstairs, and I was just kind of watching people go by. And they were doing everything they could to be as far away from everybody as possible. Yep. And, I mean, you know, and, and they, I mean, it was it was like they were almost reaching, like, their arm to pull away from people. You know, I'm like, come on, people. You know, and, and so, and I've noticed the last few times I've been over there, if if you pass somebody in the hall and, and you make the effort to say hello, I mean, they, they jump on it. They're like, hi, you know, and, and it's it's such an eager response, you know, and it's it's just people are just so tired of no interaction with other people, you know. Yeah, but, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that's a challenge, you know, in this last year and a half, like a decent portion of my work has been helping my clients to navigate this landscape because... Yeah. You know, I, I think we're emerging into a period of time where you've got a lot of people who are hungry for human contact and hungry for touch. And, you know, you got to like you got to work with that. And you got to like I think this period of reintroduction to each other is going to be so interesting and it's going to call on us to kind of be really self-aware. And by that, I, you know, I'm not meaning self-conscious. I'm meaning more like an awareness of, of how much you've got this need that hasn't been met and how to temper that so that you're not just, you know, like all over like the, the first available people, because that can be so overwhelming. And, and every one of us has had to, you know, reckon with risk, risk and risk calculation and that's not something people in general are great at like it's a challenging thing to do so you know finding and and at the same time I think this has been such a great experience for teaching consent and negotiation to society as a whole because you want to take into account the needs of of other people and what their and their risks might be different to yours right so Um, and this is where, too, like if you're listening to this and going like, this is great, but actually like I'm still at high risk. How can I get into flirting? Uh, one, there's one app that's so great for this. Um, it's called Field, F-E-E-L-D. And like the flirting and the sexting that can take place on that platform within the container of most people having a pretty decent consent practice has been a godsend outlet for a number of people over the last year and a half. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling frustrated because for you, you can't yet go out and, and be around people as much as you want, that's a great place to check out because the people who are there are fantastic too. I've actually, I, I heard about that. I, got, I probably got the same email you did. So. <laughs> I think we're on the same mailing list. <laughs> it's it's possible. Though this one I know about from, uh, it's quite popular in the UK, this app. And it was uh, through my, my network there, the sex positive community in London, who said, Sarah, you've got to know more about this. So uh, I'm glad if, if more and more people are learning that, uh, that these platforms exist, though, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's on one of the sexologist Facebook groups I'm in that I heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, 
I thought it, I thought it might, but I don't remember which one. But I think that's where I heard about it. Mm. But yeah, I, I've I've downloaded it, but uh, and I looked around a little bit, but that's as far as I've gotten. But I just heard about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, definitely worth checking out and having a little bit of fun with. Definitely. Well, how can the um, we're going to share the link so they can get to the ebook. Um, do you want to give them a little bit more information on how they can find you? Uh, yeah, so you can, like, the best place to learn a bit more is at my website, which is dignifiedhedonist.com. And it'll be all spelled in the link, but dignifiedhedonist.com, that's where you can find me. And you are also very welcome to reach out to me at hello at dignifiedhedonist.com by email. Uh, you can also call and leave a voicemail to 518-740-0921. And if, if phone is easier for you, then email. All right. Sounds good. Well, on the website, I will have all the links for you, including... Do you want to give them the, the link for the ebook, And I'll have it on the show page, too. Certainly. So to grab your copy of The Hedonist Guide to Flirting Archetypes, if you head over to dignifiedhedonist.com slash flirting, F-L-I-R-T-I-N-G, dash guide, uh, you will have the, the page there where you can read a little bit more about it. And if you decide you want it, uh, just pop in your email address and I'll send a copy right across to you. Awesome. All right. Well, it's been great, and uh, I, I will be having you back because we have other things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, Sounds this has good. been so much fun. Thank you so much for, for having me, and I hope this has been helpful to, to your listeners and to everybody tuning in to get a little bit more flirting in your life. Oh, you've got to have more flirting in your life with the, prop <laughs> yes. with the proper intent, with the proper person. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.